African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, good morning. Thank you for joining us once again right here on Channel Africa. It's 11 o'clock time for African Dialogue. Thank you for joining us on our various platforms. Remember, we're on DSTV on Channel 802 and some SADC countries who have that particular channel. And you can listen to us on our shortwave in sub-Saharan Africa on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. We can also stream us on www.channelafrica.co.za. Well, our focus today is South Africa. We're looking at violence in South African schools. In the past few weeks, we've seen videos going viral in social media of learners perpetrating violence in school, listen here, against their own teachers. And what's also more worrying is that they're also perpetrating violence with their fellow classmates. In September alone, a Northwest High School student stabbed and killed his teacher for allegedly refusing him a plate of food and in a separate incident for pupils manhandled a teacher in a Soweto school. But there have been other um, videos that have come out, a lot of them that show different uh, students either backchatting their teachers or literally, literally becoming very violent with them. Today we ask the question, why are we seeing this rise of violence in our schools? Is it a rise or is it the fact that we have more access to uh, technology and that's why we understand what's going in school? What's the security issue when it comes to school? Is there enough that's being done and who's involved? Is it uh, the, the education system itself or does it actually fall into the area of policing? Is it an upbringing issue? Is it background? What is causing our schools to become more and more unsafe and why are we seeing uh, the students themselves being the perpetrators of violence? Well, in our studio we've got Dr. Spiwe Mtian who's a senior lecturer at the Witt School Education of Education and also we've got uh, Professor Nuran Davids who is uh, an associate professor of philosophy of education and the Faculty of Education at Stellenbosch University. Also joining us on the line is Troy Martins. He's the spokesperson and the media liaison officer for the Minister of Basic Education. Let me start with you, Troy. Thank you for giving us your time. I know we have a limited uh, time with you, but I want to look at this issue. I mean, you've seen it yourself. It's been something that's been in the public arena via mainstream media, and it's sure it is a big concern for the department. What is happening in this regard? As a department, what are you seeing in terms of the trends of children themselves perpetrating violence in schools? Good morning and good morning to your listeners and to everyone that you have there in studio with you. Yes, from the department's point of view, it's, it's very concerning that we are seeing more and more of these um, viral videos per se of, of violence being committed in our schools. And we need to establish whether we're just seeing more of it, like you said, because now learners have this access to, to technology or if it's actually an increase in these incidents happening. But one of the things that I think we need to really emphasize is that our schools are a reflection of what is happening in our society. Mm. And you'll find where we have that are located in areas 
for example, that is rife with gangsterism, you'll find that spilling over into into our schools. Um, and it, it, it's really something that if there was a simple one answer to, to solve it all, that I'm sure we would we would all be ready and willing to, to do that one thing. But I think because it is really a multitude of all of those things that you've already mentioned, um, it brings into question the role of parents, the role of society, the role of community, the role of police. And I think we all need to play our part. And for this reason, um, the minister is, is calling on all of these entities to take part in a symposium to really look at how we can better address some of these issues. For us, you know, our core business is learning and teaching. Mm. And it shouldn't be our role to now become policemen and law enforcers. And it's really unfortunate that because of the societal issues that we're faced with, that, that we're having to really take on these more complex roles uh, rather than just providing education. Dr. Um, Tiani, let me come to you in terms of what we've heard from uh, Troy there, saying that it's not the department's role, it shouldn't be the teacher's or the school's role to uh, actually police children. Their role is education. What's happening here? Thanks so much, for having me in your show. Sure. Troy is correct, uh, but I think I need to add context in our discussion so that we can understand the problem that we are experiencing in our schools in a broader context. Mm. Uh, Scholars have indicated that uh, South Africa is a post-conflict turbulent society. And thus the violence that is engulfing our schools has got to be understood in that context. Other scholars have even indicated that South Africa is a multiple wounded, multiple traumatized and multiple mourning country. Mm. Let me quickly explain what do we mean by this. Sure. Post-conflict societies are countries that are undergoing transition after a civil war or a serious violent conflict. These countries generally have a fragmented economy or a fragmented society uh, as well as massive unemployment. In such societies, you have pervasive antagonism, uh, serious mistrust amongst the citizens, Mm. lack of social cohesion, little faith in the public institutions that the country or those countries have put together in order to address their plight. Mm. And of course, racism and uh, violence. Mm. So I think it's important then that once we've painted that picture, we understand that South Africa is a turbulent society, a violent society, and so on. I was reading, I think last week, uh, the... The, the report by the Minister uh, of Police, Mr. Peggy Tele. In that report, the analysis indicated that 57 people are killed in South Africa every day. Sure. If you multiply that by 365 days, you get a figure of over 20,000. Mm. Just imagine 20,000 people killed in one country and senselessly. Mm. So the argument here is that South Africa is a very violent society, and so the violence that we see in our schools, Troy is correct to say it's a reflection of our society. That's worrying indeed. And and let me bring in um, uh, Professor Nuren Davids in in terms of that, the fact that the violence that we're seeing in our society is informing our students in schools 
That's a worrying phenomenon, isn't it, Professor Davids? Good morning. Thanks for including me in this discussion. Um, I, I want to concur with what was previously said, that it, it's, of course, that you can't separate the school from society, and whatever communities our learners come out of, those are the communities which they bring into a school. So when a learner enters your school, it's, it's not going to be an individual learner, it's a community with his or her community. I want to caution, though, and, 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 I, and just put in my, my, my understanding of things, sure. is, is that we have to be very clear that it's not going to help anybody to simply say, well, it's a part of our society, I mean, a post-conflict time. It, it, it doesn't help teachers, mm. it doesn't help learners to be in environments that are embedded in violence. We have to start looking at active solutions. Now, whether we like it or not, mm. schools have adopted roles which far exceed that of only teaching and learning. Why? Because we also know that we have the highest incidence of child-headed homes in South Africa. We also know that many of our kids do not come out of typically run parent-based homes. Mm. So these are realities. So whether we like it or not, we have to understand that education can never only be about what the curriculum says. It also has to include that which pertains to citizenship. And for me, that is at the heart of this that the CAPS curriculum, for example, pays a lot of attention to notions of democratic engagement, citizenship, what mm. it means to act with regard and respect for the other. Now, in as much as we can go on the entire day about the levels of violence in our schools, we have to start narrowing it down. And for me, part of the, the, the issue, and there's certainly the research which, which we have done in this faculty, has looked at, instead of looking at the incidence of violence, of which there are far too many, Let's start looking at the good stories. And, and in as much as you get schools who are in highly impoverished areas, um, not all those schools are beset by violence. Mm. So what are those schools doing that's creating safe environments? And ultimately, it does come down to the culture of teaching and learning at that school. It does come down to how a teacher speaks to a child. And whether we like it or not, we have far too many teachers engaging in humiliating conduct, violent mm. conduct, violating conduct sure. of learners because, and they will justify that on the basis of, well, we don't have corporal punishment. That is changing that child. And so children are frustrated. I'm not justifying mm. their behavior anyway. Mm. But I want to say when children act in a violent manner, when children act in a way which we would consider to be dysfunctional, there is a reason and context for that. And so it's time sure. for us to take stock of what we are doing in our classrooms mm. when we engage with these children. Well, let me bring that back to you, uh, Troy, because uh, Professor Davids here is actually relatively disagreeing with you on the point that you've made, specifically saying that maybe the, the education is not really just about the curriculum itself. There's a comprehensive a sociological um, context in which teachers teach within and they need to have actually the skills to deal with that particular challenge of dealing with ch- uh, children from different sociological backdrops. And, and that's a big challenge for the education system in itself. And it's a matter of culture, uh, Professor Davis is arguing. So no, I think to correct, to correct um, the misconception that, that education is just about teaching and learning. That's the ideal. That's what we'd like to focus mm. on. That's what our focus should be on. But we are obviously having to deal with a number of social issues. We have a whole branch in our department that's dedicated 
to dealing with social issues in, in education. We have our life orientation curriculum. We, we are engaging with um, the Department of Social Development to look at, and this is, is one of the things that the ministers emphasize on, is incorporating psychosocial services into our, into our schools particularly to to deal with with some of these 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 issues and for these reasons um, we're very well aware of the fact that a large percentage of our learners come from child-headed households and these are all dynamics that we need to deal with in our schools but we are not equipped as as the Department of basic education to do this alone and this is why we need to bring on our sister departments um, Department of Social Development the Department of uh, the Department of Police, mm. as well as um, the Department of Health, to assist us, but also to bring on board parents. Parents play an incredibly crucial role. And while we do have child-headed households, we have many, many of the learners that are problematic in our schools come from mm. from houses with with parents. And parents also need to play that crucial role and take their responsibility in terms of parenting. Parents need to look in their children's school bag and ensure they're not taking a weapon to school. They need to ensure that their children um, and speak to their children about the work that they're doing in school. Parents need to play a more vital role as well as all the other stakeholders and teachers. So I think there's this, you know, to, to pinpoint it and to say, to blame the teacher is also unfair, to say that, oh, it's the way that the teachers are disciplining learners. That's unfair because not all teachers are doing that in the same way that not all learners um, come from difficult circumstances. So I think we need to, to look at this holistically without mm. um, taking a narrow view and, and blaming one entity or another because there are so many contributing factors sure. to this that it's, it's a very difficult subject to deal with. And, you know, we also don't want to create a sense of, of hopelessness. Um, there are many very well-functioning schools where, where that where learners are, are well-disciplined and, and teachers um, do their jobs effectively and efficiently. So I think we, we mustn't paint the entire system with this one brush. We have elements of dysfunctionality, of violence in our system, but I think we also have elements of excellence. And like the professor was saying, you know, we've done our own study for, uh, with, with NIDU, um, which, which looks at, um, it's called the Schools at Work Study. And it looks at those schools that despite difficult situations, despite rurality, despite being entrenched in areas of poverty that are doing brilliantly well. Um, so we've, we've looked at those schools and looked at what it is in those schools that really work. Um, and we're looking at how we can use those schools as examples for others. Sure. The minister always says, you know, when people come with excuses, oh, we come from, you know, there's the issue of poverty, is the issue of, of gangsterism. She always uses these schools that work to say that that isn't really a valid excuse. Mm. You know, we've got these other um, pockets of excellence that come from the same types of, of situations sure. that others are describing. So we really need to, to dig our heels in and look at how we can address this with all of the stakeholders at hand. And I think it, 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 it must be made clear that we 
as the education department, we are not equipped to deal with this alone. All right, so I'm going to take a quick break. I'm going to come back to you, uh, Dr. Mtian, as soon as we come back, because there are a difference of views here that are coming out, and it seems it's very complex, even some of uh, the solutions that Troy is coming in, like how do you include social development in the framework of uh, education, for instance? Is it that necessary and what role would they actually be playing in schools and how do you actually frame their functions within the education system but we'll deal with those questions after the break if you're interested in a real life story of friendship then join channel africa for a book reading of 65 years of friendship Written by George Bezos about his relationship with African icon Nelson Mandela. From Monday to Thursday at 2200 Central African time and during the weekend on Saturday and Sunday at 800 hours Central African time. Join us for 65 Years of Friendship, a real-life drama. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Twenty-five minutes past eleven o'clock Central African time. Uh, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. This is African Dialogue from Monday to Thursday. We speak to experts around the big subject matters on the African continent. If you're just joining us, we've got Dr. Spear and Tiane joining us in our studio. Senior lecturer at the Witt School of Education, uh, Professor Nuran Davids is an associate professor of philosophy education at the Faculty of Education, part of the Stellenbosch University. Uh, Troy Martins is the spokesperson and. Media Liaison Officer for the Minister of Basic Education, and I'm also going to introduce Base, uh, Basil Manuel, who is uh, the Executive Director for the National Professional Teachers Organization. I'm going to bring him in the conversation, uh, but before I bring him in, Dr. Mtian, there is a contestation of views here in terms of how to approach this uh, issue of violence in school from a comprehensive viewpoint. It's not really it's nuanced the differences coming from both from uh professor neuron davids and troy martins how do you think is the best way forward here especially with the mediation efforts of dealing with uh, violence uh, thanks i think it's important for us to first of all agree that we will never see eye to eye as academics as to how we should resolve the problems that we have in our society. So multiple views are important so that we can use those views to advance whatever cause that uh, we seek to advance. But uh, what has been uh, sort of alluded here is the fact that we have got a collapse in the family structure in our country. This is as a result of many factors. For instance, urbanization, apartheid, and recently the migration of successful black people from the townships into the formerly white areas. What has happened is that a number of people are making an argument to say you then have a situation where African children, especially in the townships, don't have good role models. And so what do they do? They emulate the wrong people that they see in those townships. Perhaps an example that I saw recently in social media is this young man who killed his teacher at, I mean, in Northwest. 
uh, this young man is shown in a in a pig I mean uh, in a picture where he is with another young man who is carrying a panga behind him and he says that he idolizes one criminal I'm not sure whether he's behind bars that young man sure. but uh, the one uh, that is seen on on YouTube mm. boasting about killing policemen up here in Gauteng mm. because he wants their guns and so on and so mm. forth. So you have then wrong, wrong I mean, young people emulating wrong role models. Mm. How then we are going to resolve that one, I really don't know. Mm. But perhaps another problem that I think I want to bring forward here is the research that we have conducted with colleagues when I was still down at the University of KwaZulu-Natal where we went to a township of Umlazi and we looked at about five or six successful schools. These are the schools that produce good results year in, year out. What you find in those schools is that they've got good leadership, good leadership from the school principals, where those schools the school leadership, your school principal is supported by his or her SMT, where the teachers and everybody else, they are singing from the same hymn book. But in schools that have got poor leadership, what do you do? What do you find? You find that there are no policies that are there in order to address the issues even before they they, 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 they start. For instance, you go to a multiracial school and you ask the principal if they have a policy like anti-racism policy. You'll find that they say they don't have because they don't see the need. Yet, on a daily basis in those schools, you'll find that there are racist issues in the sports field, in the staff room, and so on and so forth. So my argument then is that perhaps we need to look at leadership as well. We are not blaming school principals here nor the teachers. We are merely saying there are a number of problems, sorry, there are a number of factors that are leading to the kinds of problems that we have. Sure. Let me bring in Basil Manuel from the National Professional Teachers Organization. Basil, thank you for giving us your time. And I, I think this is a good moment to have you into this conversation because Everyone has been speaking around the contrast whether these children come, do they come from disciplined environments in their homes versus the fact that is there a good culture that is harnessed by teachers? Uh, from a teacher's organization's perspective, how do you navigate these very complex issues that uh, schools are facing currently right now when it comes to violence? Thank you for inviting me. Uh, I've been following the conversation and there are so many good points have been made. Yes, it's true that the problem isn't a simplistic one of a bit of violence here and a bit of violence there. In fact, Naptos is on record as saying that the problem is vastly underreported. And we, are, we can't only look at physical violence, we've also got to look at threats that teachers get daily from both parents and learners. So the problem is there and we need to address it. But we can't address it by shifting responsibility to a whole host of other people. I agree with what Ms. Martin says, that it, it, it can't be simply just the education department because it's broader than that. However, from a teacher's perspective, the teachers are saying uh, our employer needs to ensure that we have a safe working environment and they are being neglectful when they pass the buck. And that is an important point to make because there's general school safety and then there's safety of teachers. But 
In addition to that, uh, the general complaint is also that uh, we know children come from different backgrounds, and I agree about the violent society. We've highlighted that too. And so teachers have an extremely difficult role navigating through this. And I don't want to be one of those people creating the impression that our schools are, are engaged in running battles or our teachers are engaged in running battles with children. Mm. That is not true. Uh, there are few children that are really misbehaving, but the action taken when such uh, misbehavior shows itself leaves a lot to be desired. Also, our teachers are recognizing the signs even before the behavior happens. But we have no systems in place to ensure that those children are attended to because schools simply just don't have teacher counselors and uh, professionals like that at hand. Very interesting views coming from you, Basil. And I want to take it to you, Professor Davids, because that's very interesting what uh, Basil is highlighting there. Um, You know, we were speaking before the show and, you know, people were talking about corporal punishment again. Uh, It seems like it's a a conversation and saying there hasn't been some that's offered to teachers to actually um, replace corporal punishment. Yeah. Yeah, but um, indeed, Basil has raised important points. I mean, no teacher wants to walk into a school not knowing that he or she is assured of safety. So, and, and really, I, I, I want to correct something. There's, there's no understanding from our point that this is solely responsible of the responsibility of a teacher or sure, a school. Sure. And, and certainly what I am trying to say is that we have to look at the school as an organization. Because as all the speakers have pointed out, that in as much as you get problematic schools in problematic areas, you get very good schools in those same areas. So the point really has got to do with if we want to say what do we replace corporal punishment with, my answer quite simply is why would you need to replace it with anything? We have to start looking at the way we teach. Now, when I speak to you, I'm speaking to you as a former teacher who has taught in township schools, who has taught on the Cape Flats. So I understand the dynamics. I'm not sitting in this from an ivory tower point of view. I understand the dynamics of this. I recognize that when I speak to learners with respect, I create a classroom where the parameters of engagement are clearly defined, where children understand what is expected of them. It changes the way children engage with teachers. I'm not saying it works all the time. But it goes a long way because so many of our kids come out of homes that are indeed very, very violent, right? But in as much as that is the case, research confirms in South Africa, children are more likely to encounter violence in schools than in their homes. Mm. So that's what the research confirms for us. So so many of our kids come out of homes that are problematic where they have poor, where we have poor role models. It therefore makes the responsibility of the teacher, of the school, of the community that much greater to start looking at positive role modeling. So Mm. for me, this is not about replacing anything. It's about what teaching ought to be about. And so what works? And I think this is where I think my interest is. I think we're all fully aware of the dire state of certain schools. We are fully aware of the impact of violence, not only on schools, but on our society as a whole. The question now is, can we rather turn our attention to that which works and then replicate that? And, and there are many, many marvelous examples of schools that are located in highly volatile communities, yet the school becomes a beacon of hope. 
And ultimately what we found and, and continue to find is that where a school exercises a, dis- a, 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 a disciplinary process of compassion, care, and then responsible action, that school changes. And so for me, that would be where I would like to depart from. Um, Basil, your response to Professor David's there, it seems like it extends even the um, responsibility of teachers in terms of, you know, their the style of teaching seems to be the emphasis that Professor Davids is highlighting and the manner in which teachers are engaging with students. Professor Davids has hit the nail on the head because it is not about corporal punishment and certainly we as an organization and none of the other unions have, have tried to support a cause. It's a fringe element that thinks that more violence is going to Uh, improve the situation in the school. But I want to agree with a a previous statement also made that we need to to be looking at school leadership a little more broadly. And in fact, this is where the education department misses a step because it is very difficult taking 450,000 teachers through a reorientation process. But surely it is possible to do 25,000 principals because uh, we know that well-run schools have good principles, and it always starts at a point. And there is no good school out there that has a terrible principle. And that is what we want to underscore, that we recognize as a union of teachers, we recognize as practitioners yes, that, that, they needs, that we need something to be done, that we too have to relearn certain things. And we are not averse to that. We are uh, terribly unhappy with trying to postpone the problem until other people get on board all the time. We are saying, as a department, we need to be working together, and we are willing to do, uh, to do that. We started this process a couple of years ago, and then it faded for some reason. And now we need to pick up those pieces because the problem will not attend to itself. Nothing attends to itself unless there is some impetus from the side of leadership and management. Okay. Safety in schools, then whose responsibility is it? Let me bring it to you, uh, uh, Dr. Mtiani. That's the complication, is it? Because... We can't run away that this is a reality. Yes, there is a responsibility from a teacher's perspective. Parenting needs to intervene. Communities need to start engaging more with the schools that they're within. But now, when we do see this as a reality, who's responsible for safety? Um, We we all are. We all are. Look, um... We cannot say it's, this is the responsibility of the teachers and the school principals only at school. It's a responsibility of all of us, mm-hmm. the teacher unions, sure. the Department of Education, the police, the social workers, and so on and so forth, when we work together as a team. But one other point that I think I want to make here, which I think it's important, f- for those of us who work with teacher trainees at universities, we need to work harder, perhaps in uh, teaching our students good classroom management skills. There is research that has been done 
in other parts of the world where they say the majority of disciplinary incidents that take place in the classroom originate from the insufficiency of teachers' classroom management skills. Mm. Now, what does this mean? For me, this means that the teachers that we have in our schools, perhaps they don't have the skills that are required in creating, managing, and sustaining disciplined classrooms. I think it's important that we do that. Now, a number of our teachers, when we talk to them, they'll say to you, but Dr. Mtiane, the the alternatives that have been offered by the Department of Education are not working because they were used to the old corporal punishment style of leading and managing our classrooms. We have moved from that and we are not going back to that. But what then is important is to reskill our teachers. For me, I think it's important that we start with those that are at universities because when they go to schools and they work with those who were trained perhaps before 1994, they can influence them. And so there is this cross-pollination of ideas as to how we should be leading and managing our classrooms. This has been a fantastic conversation. And let me come to you, Troy, because it's been so dynamic in terms of some of the viewpoints and variations of thought in this discussion. But coming back to the same question of security, who is going to be in charge now? Who should take the leading role? Well, it depends what you what you classify security as. And I, I think our views are actually not so diverse. I think we're all saying pretty much the same thing mm. in different ways. ways yeah. um, I think that, you know, if you're talking about a fence around a school and providing security in that in that measure, I think then that would be um, the responsibility of the education department. If you're talking about ensuring that learners don't come to school with weapons, then that would be the responsibility of parents. If you're talking about um, safety and security in general, that's the responsibility of of the SAPS. So I think you know it's it's it's, it's not a cut and dry question sure. like you're, you're making it out to be. So mm. I think. You know, this is why it's so important that we all sit around this table and take this discussion forward so that as all entities, we can really, really come together and, and find a solution that, you know, will hopefully make an impact. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's unfortunate. I couldn't hear what, what Basil was saying because the line was a bit bad or I don't mm-hmm. think I was connected to that line. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, we we really need to come together because it's, like everyone's been saying, it's not something that is one, the responsibility of one or the other. It really is a responsibility of all of us as the different entities and as the different stakeholders um, in education to really come with a solution that, that works for us all. In one breath, you, we're trying to combat corporal punishment. In the other, mm. we, have, we have learners that are acting out violently towards teachers. And I think we need to really come up with ways to ensure that we deal with all of these. Um, and like the minister said in the press, in the media briefing that we had last week, is that, you know, it's really difficult when the, the, the problem is not coming from an outside entity, it's coming mm. from within. We have learners that are um, endangering other learners and learners that are endangering other teachers, mm. and that makes it a very complex issue sure. to deal with. Mm. Um, Basil, your final sentiments to this discussion before I let uh, Professor Davis have the final say. Uh, 
I want to agree with Troy that it's a big problem. It's a problem that has its roots within the community, and the school is an integral part of the community. But what we as Naftoza uh, wish to see is that we don't postpone seeking solutions. Sure. There is a bigger one, and Professor Mtiana is probably uh, the one who has uh, spoken very much about it. There's mm. the problem of the greater uh, violence in our society. And we cannot address schools without addressing the broader problems. We can't leave our schools to sink because the schools will create peace education mm. and reinforce it. Uh, so I want to say this is a problem of today. We need to solve it today for tomorrow. Professor Davids, your final sentiments? Thank you. Um, just in absolute agreement, the, the problem of violence in our schools is the problem of our society. Mm. The, the, the well-being of a society is often um, determined by how well its children are treated and, and the condition of its children. So this is a clear indictment of all of us. Mm. The only way that I see this, any solutions happening and where we know it has worked is there has to be a multi-pronged approach. You have to get community involvement. We have to start looking at family literacy programs, mm. parenting programs, because the home and the school are directly connected. And just to end off, I think on a positive note, because mm. I'm never without hope in that research. Sure. What, what we had doing, we, we had a project running for over 10 years and which is a private partnership, and it involved WCED as well. Mm. And we had amazing financial support, so I wanted to say that, that, that that's needed. What we ran was family programs in terms of just good parenting, because that's part of the problem. If you want parents to be involved in the education of their children, then unfortunately we have to educate them how to do that. Many of our parents have not gone through schooling, or where they have gone through schooling, they have encountered as spaces where they felt alienated. We have to start tackling the issues of violence without trying to encumber that word because violence, as I think Basil alluded, is so much more visible. It also has got to do with the racism, mm. the, the, the homophobia, the discrimination of people on religious basis and cultural basis. Mm. And so I, I want to say that for up, up to this point, a lot of the discussion has focused on what we understand to be impoverished schools mm. or schools in, in volatile areas. But actually, we forget about the kinds of violence which happen in our world resource schools mm. because that's Ooh. also a form of violence. Mm. And it's time for us to have a different kind of conversation because as much as we've had curriculum reform and all kinds of educational reform and teachers have gone on training, mm. we have not paid attention capacity and willingness of our teachers to engage with difference mm. and, and to sure. find a different kind of language. Sure. Well, we have to wrap it up there since we've run out of time, but I think we uh, touched on so many multifaceted points in this discussion. We thank you all for your participation. Thank you to Professor Nuran Davids, the Associate Professor of Philosophy of Education and Faculty of Education at Stellenbosch University. Thank you to Troy Martin, Spokesperson Media Liaison Officer for the Minister of Basic Education in South Africa. Thank you as well to Basil Manuel, who is the 
the executive director at the National Professional Teachers Organization, also known as NAPTOSA, and Dr. Spiwem Tian, who's joining us in our studios. Thank you as well for coming in. He's the senior lecturer at the Witt School of Education. Thank you all for your participation. And we're going to podcast this discussion. And if you want to check it out and really, really listen to some of these ideas that were very dynamic from our guests, check it out on our website, www.channelafrica.co.za. 